Hello, listeners. Before we start today, I'd just like to send a special thanks out to listener Brad, who sent us a whole box of games and DVDs and whatnot, one of which we immediately chose and will be reviewing shortly. Thanks, Brad. To anyone else considering sending in something for us to review, just drop us an email at systemmastery at gmail.com to get the details. Just keep in mind, we're keeping it. And now, the show. Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead space horse 1d6 space damage at a space time. I'm Jeff, and joining me as always is Space John. Today, we're taking you all the way to the far future, the way it was perceived in the early 80s. Are you ready for bubble wraparound visors and big fluffy haircuts? You better goddamn be, because we read Star Frontiers, and it's time for System Mastery from Space. Welcome back, Space Cadets. Hey, John, how are you this week? I'm so space good. <laughs> That's space great to hear. <laughs> it's funny, we're doing that, but this game doesn't do that. It's not. This game's not that bad. It mostly does the uh, combining two words into one word in weird ways thing. Yeah, like almost get, like German. Yeah, well, except it, it's the it's the way you like Navy does it. Whenever you see like a Navy building and it's called like Comsat Nav Bill, <laughs> you're like, all right, I know that's Communications Satellite Navigations Bill. That's his name. Yeah. <laughs> Comsat Nav Bill. Yeah. At your service. <laughs> Hello, ma'am. I'm Comsat Nav Bill. <laughs> I mean, I, it might have stood for building at one point, but now it doesn't. Now it's a guy. Yeah. Obviously. <clears throat> so, John, what is the book this week? Uh, well, interesting enough, the Star Frontiers that we have is an old TSR box set. Oh, yeah. So it came with a bunch of stuff in there. Yeah, there's a whole lot of books and interesting maps and little tiny cutout cardboard squares. Oh, yeah. It's also got those dice that you need to color in with a wax white crayon. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it even says in the book, you're like, hey, man, you're going to need a crayon for this. So uh, yeah. go get that. Go find yourself a crayon and a washcloth because once you get it colored in, you're going to need to wipe off that excess cray. Because <laughs> that's what that's a crayon is made out of cray, right? Yeah, that's cray. Yeah, and then the, the on is just like, the, a term that describes what it is made of. Yeah, no, it's it's when you put it onto something. Yeah, you're much, going to cray onto something. Much like how a sheep is made of mutt, which is why you get that mutt on. Yeah, well, when you put it on a plate, you've mutt on that plate. Yeah, you, you've got you've, you've got mutt, you've mutt on that plate. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's yeah. a well explained bit of syntax history. If you didn't know about that, folks, now you know. Good. Yeah, that's that's how the crayon gets its name. That's uh, that's how we did it. Mm-hmm. We've gotten here. So one of the interesting things about Star Frontiers, which is again, it's it's a TSR sci-fi game from the very early '80s. Our copy, uh, an Alpha Dawn variant, uh, came out in 1982. Yeah, super old. Yeah, very old, very interesting. It's it's uh, it's not like the first sci-fi game or anything. That they're no. Tecamel is older than this, uh, but it is a very strong sci-fi contender built on kind of early Star Trek and uh, Star Wars type history. But it's also interesting because it's uh, TSR before they just decided everything was D&D. That is true, yeah. This uses actually a very similar rule set, not to D&D, but to another game that we reviewed by TSR, uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, they they played around with what do we want to do with our dice system, how do we want to do rules-wise, but D&D took off, so that's just sort of what everything is. Mm-hmm. That's true. This book is entirely done with D10s. Uh, it's it, There was a wave of games that were all D10 in the early 80s because that's when the D10 was invented. So uh, you get the uh, this game using percentile mechanics, and then instead of a ubiquitous D6 for short-range mechanics, it uses a D5. Yeah. We're no. going to see a lot of D5 rolls in, in the game, which is just, you know, roll a D10 and divide by two because an actual five-sided polygon or a 3D polygon is impossible. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's not impossible. So you can't make one that's got even faces. No, that's yeah. that's it. So, uh, oh, I guess you could totally do one in another fashion. You could make like a uh, man. Now, now, all I'm thinking about is how to build D fives. <laughs> this is you this, did it. This you, is a bad place for me. I, that's my brain is all D fives now. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So the the game is all D ten based, and the uh, the way your character is going to work is percentiles. Uh, instead of 
rolling and that's what you get though like instead of like oh, i rolled a 53 i have a 53 in a stat mm-hmm. there's actually a little chart that the game so starts happy- with for i was that. so happy to see that oh yeah so i mean your stats will range from 30 to 70 yeah i was really worried that when i saw it was percentile based and it was like get out your percentile dice it's time to roll your character's stats i was like oh no it's gonna be. Uh, one I'm of those, gonna have a guy that is a three and something, and someone else is gonna have a 95. It's one of those no bell curve at all games. Oh no! But it isn't. It actually uses a little curve to to uh, keep your stats a little more clear. Yeah. So the other interesting thing is when you're rolling for these stats, uh, you're gonna get, like I said, between 30 and 70. But all of the stats are divided into pairs. So you'll have like strength and stamina is one pair. Yes. So when you roll for your stats. You roll once for that pair. Mm-hmm. So if I roll and I get like a 55 for my stats, then my strength and stamina are both 55. Yeah. Uh, and then you do that for, there are four sets of two. Right. And those break down to strength, stamina, uh, dex, and uh, reaction speed, mm-hmm. uh, intelligence, and the logic, and uh, personality and leadership. Yes. One of the more interesting things about this box set is that it came with two versions of the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was sort of a thing that I think they had tried out with D&D because they're like, here's our super basic version and then our standard version of D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this, it's in the same box. You have a basic rule set, just super basic. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm holding that one. I have the basic game rules in my hands, and it is... Uh, generously, it is 20 pages long. Yeah, and then they've got the expanded rules. But the nice thing is the the basic rules play directly into the expanded rules. You, If you know the basic, going into the expanded just adds a few things. It doesn't really change the game drastically. Yeah, it just opens a few things up. It increases the skill system. It's it's uh, it's not a bad progression. Yeah, it, it's... Yeah. It's interesting because this is a time period when people making games would need to build those little uh, kind of, you know, training wheel games for people to actually, well, what is a What is a statistic that you speak of? Yeah, and I think this does a great job with it because, I mean, like in all of these games, uh, you're going to have at one point like your, your list of weapons. Mm-hmm. And so in the expanded one, you've got a ton of different weapons. You've got different grenades. They have different ranges. You've got like anywhere between like 1d10 or like 8d10 damage. Yeah, some of them do a crazy amount of damage. Oh yeah, if you're doing like I shoot you with a bazooka, you're doing nuts damage. Yeah, like for example the lightsaber equivalent in this game where your regular sword does 1d10 if you want to hit someone with a sword for some reason. But if you get this game's sonic sword, which is the lightsaber equivalent, it does 5d10. Yeah, it's crazy good. Yeah, it's it's amazing, especially when you start seeing how many hit points things have. And so... When you look at that in the expanded rule, the version in the basic game, it just gives you, like, basically four options. You're yeah, like, it's like okay, pistol, needler. It basically gives you the options of Halo. Well, and it, it pretty much goes with, did you want to do 1d10 and be slightly better at hitting, or 2d10 and slightly worse at hitting? And that's basically it. Yeah. So it's, like, if you want to be up close and personal and do more damage, you've got a needler, or you've got, like... The uh, the ramjet round. Yeah, the gyrojet pistol. And then if you want to do something at a longer range, but it doesn't do as much damage, you've got laser weapons. Yeah. So it gives you a couple of very simple options. It gives you movement rules. Uh, it gives you the races that you need to know, but not the races that you don't need to know. This game has uh, four playable races. And then one evil race. <laughs> yeah, one race of silly-looking bad guys. You can, Some earthworm bad guys. Yeah, they're kind of fun to look at. I love there's... The art for this book uses a clinical kind of medical examination style for all the races. The expanded book does. Yeah, they give you a cutaway of the different people. Yes, yeah, so you can see their goopy bones and organs. <laughs> and the uh, and also there's a couple of like shots of how their limbs work around each one of them. So it kind of explains how, for example, the ant-like Vrusk have a, a rotating elbow joint so that they can, they can rotate their arm all the way around. Well, the Sathar, which are the evil worm bad guys have two sets of appendages, but they slither around on their on their wormness. Yeah, they, so, they kind of snake around. Yeah, they, they're just they just sort of they're just wormy Joe. Old <laughs> yeah. old wormy old Joe. Old earthworm Jim. Yeah, they kind of move around like earthworm Jim. <laughs> In have, a big robot yeah, suit. Yeah, big robo suit. They use their own heads like whips, and then eventually they get turned into a salamander and have to answer trivia questions. Huh? 
There's a cow on a catapult. <laughs> Obviously. They got to fight Professor Monkey for a head. Just well, I mean, there is monkey for a head race. <laughs> There's that. So uh, with the Sathar, they have two sets of appendages that they use. One of them is a big flat paddly thing, and the other one is like hands. Yeah. And the one picture of them on the side doing an action pose has the guy just straight up using his flat paddles to walk, so he just looks like a fat little lizard guy. <laughs> I was like, oh, don't do that. Their whole thing is that they're worm mans. Don't, don't, don't cheapen it. Come <laughs> on. Let them worm around. <laughs> So uh, let's go through the races. Well, with all the races, you also get a uh, bonus or a negative to your stats unless you're human. Yeah. So humans are standard. Uh, you get a plus five to one stat, not a stat pair, just one of the stats. Uh, but you get to choose what it is. Yeah. Whereas to- everything else will be like, oh, you get plus five to this pair and minus five to this pair. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's start with the Dralisite. And let me start by saying I actually really like the races in this game. Uh, if I can, it, the, the, they're smart. They're they're not. This is the thing I love. Like I'm going to say it straight up. They're not Star Trek aliens. No, you do not get uh, humans with some ridges on their head or humans that are blue. Yeah, it, there's no blue humans in this. You don't have to play as the Blue Man Group and or like for example when you're playing Star Wars Galaxies the the MMO and you're like oh boy what are my choices green human. Black human with head spikes. Tall human. Small human. Human with blindfold. Yeah. That counts as a race. I mean, Star Wars is a little bit better about it than Star Trek, but... Uh, Barely. It has huts. And and, and I guess now it has Sebulbas. Well, yeah. Once you you got into the, uh, you know, the past and you went to the prequels, they're like, oh, we can just make stupid things. Here's a little flying... Jew caricature. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. Yeah, you got your... <laughs> Here's Watto. You, you got your Wattos, you got your Huts, you got your Sebulbas, but other than that, 90% of Star Trek... Oh, I guess you got your Yodas. Yeah, you got your Yodas. Well, but, you got... Even Chewbacca's not really a human. He's well, a big Wookiee guy. Well, he's a big Wookiee, but he's still like, you could put a shirt on him. <laughs> I mean, you could put a shirt on anything. I'll put a shirt on something right <laughs> you now. try hard enough and believe in yourself. Like I was saying... Uh, you you could probably get a shirt on the job of the hut, but you need to make a special shirt, and it's going to take some time. <laughs> You'd probably have to go to Walmart for that like, shirt. If you want to get a shirt that's going to fit Chewbacca, you just need to go to Ross and find one of those ones with like a motorcycling Tweety Bird on it. Man, you got to go to that big and tall section, mostly the tall section. Yeah, well, yeah, but you're going to find one. You're going to find a Wookiee-appropriate shirt in there. <laughs> yeah, they've be- got Wookiee section yeah, at you, just- the Walmart in space. Yeah, <laughs> I head down to my local Ross you get in space. Juniors, men's, women's. Wookies, yeah, Sebulbas, <laughs> where you get to put all the logos and stuff on the pants because that's what they use for hand. They use their legs for hands. But uh, even, I mean, most of Star Trek aliens are like, "I'm a human with a mask on." Yeah, I'm a conehead. <laughs> no, the 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 Star Wars ones are slightly better than but, Star Trek, but even then, so, it's still just, just a lot of humans. Yeah, if we stick to Star Trek, Star Trek is garbage. It's always like. What makes you special? I have spots. What do you have? I've got a ridge. Oh, where's your ridge? Because that describes like 20 different Star Trek aliens. <laughs> I shapeshift into things, Quark. And I do it off screen because it costs money, Quark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's my like, lazy ass Odo impression. Good job. Yeah. Uh, but this game, the, the races you can play as are only one of them is even what you would charitably describe as a humanoid. Yep. And, uh, well, I, I guess humans are yeah. charitably. I mean, I would charitably describe you as humanoid. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you meet all the signs. Yeah. I mean, I'm basically humanoid. Yeah. I'm human-ish. Yeah, human-esque. <laughs> John is at least human adjacent. <laughs> yeah. I am right next to it. <laughs> so the races in question are uh, human, uh, dralocyte, and dralocytes are basically amoeba men they have uh they don't have any centralized nervous system or organs to speak of everything's just goop they have tough skin and they can grow pseudopods to replace arms and legs they can have as many arms and legs as they want well they it's based on their stats yeah, yeah. so uh depending on what your strength stamina is is how many different limbs you can support mm-hmm. so it actually means if you're a like a high strength stam character you can go into, say, uh, melee combat and be like, oh, I can get extra attacks just because I've got way more uh, like legs and arms. Which doesn't really get unbalancing because it's actually only for unarmed combat. Yeah, and unarmed and combat is shit. It's rare and you don't want to do it in this game because there's only a couple of unarmed weapons. 
Most of them are bad. The only ones that are any good are the Sonic Knife and the Sonic Sword. But that's melee. It's not even unarmed. Oh, I'm sorry. You're, you're right. You're th- unarmed is completely different. You don't yeah. want to get into a wrestling match with anyone. It has a full set of wrestling rules. Yeah, there's of- rules for grabbing a guy and punching a dude, but they're mostly very you know, low damage. Yeah, they're not great damage. They're great if you're like a bounty hunter. If you're like, all right, well, I'm going to catch this guy around this corner and I'm just going to restrain him because I'm a goop man, then you're yeah. pretty good to go. The Dralocyte gets a, a couple of interesting bonuses. Uh, notably, they are living lie detectors. Yeah. They, I mean, they're not good at it, but they have the uh, the ability to t- determine by making a percentile roll, I believe, starting at 20% or less. 5%. 5%. Sorry, I gave them four times as much goodness as they should have. Yeah, all of the non-humans get a special thing, and they all start at just nothing. Yeah, you have to use your XP to buy those into something that's useful. So f- 5% of the time, a Dralocyte can tell with 100% accuracy whether or not you are lying. Yeah, 5% of the time, it, it works. works 100% of the time. <laughs> yeah. I, and it's one of those games where it's going to tell you that if you fail that roll, then your Dralocyte has to keep trying anyway. <laughs> it's got that kind of old school adversarial tone in certain parts of the write-up. Well, Mostly I, this game's pretty generous. No, the, the thing is they're like, oh, if you roll this and you fail it, your GM's just going to tell you, ah, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, maybe he's lying. So uh, they get that. What's their stat buff? Uh, so with the Dralocyte, they are, because they're all uh, rubbery and can change their shape, they get a bonus five to mm-hmm. both strength and stamina. Yeah. Uh, but a minus five to their dex and reaction speed, because they are mostly just goop guys, they can't really move around super fast. Yeah. In fact, these the running speeds in this game reflect that as well. They are slower than all the other races. Uh, it's interesting because they are they are like four times as slow as or, or their their difference of speed starts to catch up when they're running. Like they're still not as fast running as a human is, but they are closer when running than they are when walking to human speeds. Yeah, because they 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 can hustle. It even there's even rules in there. They're like for overland travel, go ahead and assume five kilometers an hour because Dralocyte will figure it out. Well, yeah, they're like, oh, hold on, I'll just kind of shape shift myself into a form that's better for this. Yeah, so. They're sort of neat. So Dralocyte have a culture that's based around, uh, I believe it's arguing and logic, and they like to they like to have long conversations. They're very communicative. Yep, they love talking, and their interesting thing is they love puns. They love human humor. Mm-hmm. That's just the shittier the pun, the better. They absolutely love it, and it it goes so far as to say in the book that like a bunch of washed up comedians that are humans have found like. Fame and fortune by being comedians for Dralocyte. <laughs> I feel like telling puns is, is a very specific form of humor that would be tricky to master. Like, I feel like most failed comedians are just, they, they're just failed because they couldn't live on $8 a week for the 12 years that it required <laughs> to go get, to be, make it into that industry. John, you've tried that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's that's pretty much how it works, right? Like, you have to be willing to eat your own hand for a year. Oh, yeah, pretty much. You have to be willing to go to a club and just sell yourself to the manager for as little as possible. Yeah. There's a, there's an old Patton Oswald routine I love about that. The one with the magician where he's like, oh, yeah. when they're like, uh, they told you it was 60 bucks, but it's 52. And he's like, I, I have to eat. I, I have to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've been in that position. You know. I know. And uh, so I But like- I think it's, it's more like old vaudeville type things. <laughs> I love the idea that vaudeville lasted into the far future. Well, it's not even the far future. This isn't even humans like Earth humans. That's these true. are it humans is- that evolved somewhere else. Yeah, these are It's Terrans. like Star Wars. It's Star Wars. They're human adjacent. Yeah. So there was vaudeville that existed some other galaxy. Although, did you know that the humans of Star Wars are meant to be the humans of Earth? Are they? Yeah, they are. The whole a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away part is uh, is actually not what you think. It's not saying that it happened a long time ago for Earth's history. It's a long time ago from the perspective of the person who's telling you the story. And in Lucas's mind, that person was that droid. It was uh, C- it was R two D two. R two D two was telling us this story, and he was like, "Look, man, let me tell you a long time ago. This is all the shit that happened to to me specifically, which is why he's in all six movies, seven <laughs> movies now." Uh, and he's like, hey, dude, uh, let me tell you the story of, of uh, like all these guys I met like a long time ago. And apparently, also, he like moved galaxies. Yeah, at but, some point. But they are, they're supposed to be humans from Earth. Like, originally, they were. That's weird. Well, yeah. So, anyway, I'm sorry. Let's move on to Verusk. <laughs> Verusk, Verusk. Yes, Nothing compares to... Yes, let's work some Paramore lyrics into our, <laughs> into our uh, episode. That, that applies to a lot of people. Everybody loves some Paramore. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, it'll pl- apply to people who played the first rock band, anyway. <laughs> so the Vrusk are kind of bug men. They're uh, 
They're rad bugmen. They have yeah. eight, they have eight legs. Yeah, they're they're kind of centaurish bugmen because they're, they're they uh, have a, an upper body that connects to it that is like we've got hands and we can walk around. I think there's a D and D equivalent. I think they're called the Formians. Uh, that it's, sounds somewhat right. It's either fo- uh, Formians or Fomorians, and I'm pretty sure Fomorians are, are no Fomorians are lumpy like giants. Fey. Yeah, yeah, they're lumpy mutated giants. So Formians, I'm like a hundred percent sure, especially. Because the they're named after the type of ant, acid that ants produce, which is formic acid. Yeah. So yeah, the formians, they're basically that. They're a little lower to the ground. They have eight legs. They have rotatable, double-jointed, ambidextrous hands. Yeah. And, and they have ant heads. And they just have little mandibles and clicks and noises, and they don't really... Oh, they clicks and whistles. They can't speak human. Uh, yeah, they can speak galactic basic, which apparently involves enough clicking and whistling for them to get by. Yeah, pan-galactic is the base language and it they were like oh yeah it's it's noises and movements and things that any of the races could do so that you can just get basic concepts across but i love this i love that this game's got a race that just can't speak english yeah they're like no there's it's a bug it cannot speak english yeah so it speaks pangalactic and it drinks the pangalactic gargle blaster <laughs> the uh the other interesting thing with the uh the vrusk is their society is Super based on corporations yes. and businesses. So rather than being all about like, oh, this is my family or my neighborhood, it's all about business. Yeah. So the and like, business and business is depending on what you're in. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of them are like, yeah, we were very peaceful unless someone threatens the business. Mm-hmm. So rather than worrying about like colonies, it's, oh, I have. Uh, like I'm a farmer and I've got an entire farm and we do that. And then, uh, like, because we're not a huge conglomerate, they tend to stick with like the smaller family type businesses. Yeah. Which so, is weird. Cause you would expect them to do more anti stuff, you know, like, like if they were going to have farms, they'd probably be like farms that are tunneled into sand and there's nah. some, there's some like food matter at the top and you get to watch them tunnel through the sand, like some kind of. Ant farm. Some kind of animal farm. Some kind of alien ant farm. Some some kind of Annie, are you okay? <laughs> Wait, did this movie, this game come out in 1982 or 85? Uh, I don't know, but that was an alien ant farm cover. <laughs> hey! No, also 1985 is the name of one of their songs. Did it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Am I? No. Are we? Sure. Did they? Probably. Good. Cookies. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so the the Vrusk, pretty much just the opposite of the Dralocyte for their stats. Oh, wait, 1985 was a Bowling for Soup song. Yeah, it was. Damn it. You suck. Get out. I'm going to go listen to Hoobastank. Something about the movies contrition. was also Alien Ant Farm. Yeah, that was the other one. Yeah. Okay, Vrusk are opposite of Dralocyte. I love films. The uh, strength and stam are minus five. The dex and reaction time are plus five, so they're uh-huh. just... The exact opposite. Yeah. They are double-jointed and uh, ambidextrous. They are the only race that doesn't need to pick which hand they use uh, as their dominant. Yeah. And their special percentage thing is comprehension, Mm -hmm. which starts at 15%, but it's basically just you can tell how a social situation is going. Like, if you watch people interact, you can kind of understand what's going on there. Yeah. So they're basically really good at reading rooms. I mean, 15% makes it sound like they're bad at it, but no one else even has access to this skill. Yeah. So eventually they get really, really good at reading the intent of a room. They're very good at sort of sussing out who's in charge. or Yeah, because they spend all of their time in like doing uh, corporations and businesses and deals, and they're all very much about like doing business and business relationships. Yes. They pick up on subtle things for that a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got to deal with the human. The Hunam. The Hunam. Now, the human in this game is unusual. It has wings, <laughs> bright green, and uh, it breathes a, a thin soup-like material. Yeah. Oh, that, no, that's just me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the humans in this game are actually human-adjacent. They're just humans. <laughs> you breathe a thin soup like is it just soup? Yeah, it's just soup. <laughs> <laughs> I just have soup I breathe in. You just don't want to let people know that, so you just tell them it's a thin soup like material. It's a soup like material. It's soup esque. <laughs> I just saw you drink from a Campbell's can. Hush now. <laughs> yes, Campbell's cans are an excellent way to store my breathing solution. <laughs> 
but you opened it. It was just a can of tomato soup. Uh, tomato soup-like material. Mm. This is space. <laughs> space. <laughs> All right, so the actual next race to talk... I mean, humans are just humans in this game. Yeah. There you go. The, the actual next race to talk about is the Yazirian. Yup, them Yazirians. Yazirians. These are the mishmash race. They have the most weird nonsense going on. They are... Upright walking monkey apes with lion manes and and squirrel like flying squirrel glider wings. Yep. that come from a planet that's super dark, so they have to wear sunglasses everywhere. Well, they they are nocturnal, is why. So they evolved to be in the dark. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, that evolution made it so that they suck in bright light. Yeah, they're they're flying glider apes. Yeah, and they're an interesting race. They have to pick a life enemy. Which I love. That is great. It's so neat the way they describe it. The, the life enemy is, they have to pick something that they have to destroy over the course of their life. And it can be a person, and it, you know, historically this race is like predators and angry tribes at each other and so on. So picking their life enemy made sense to them. They were like, I hate that tribe over there and I'm going to try and kill them. Yeah. But as they've evolved and, be- and become uh, civilized and socialized, they have declared other things their life enemy. They're like, they can be a scientist one who's like, my life enemy is cancer. I will see it eradicated. Yeah, and you can do things like, I'm a merchant and my life enemy is this other business and I want to be better at business than them. (laughs) My life enemy is these way too high prices. (laughs) Uh, I will destroy them for you. I pass the savings on to you. I'm crazy Yazirian. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) so he's crazy human? He's just his race? I couldn't think of a Yazirian name off the top of my head. I'm Crazy Chimp Chimp. I don't think they're I'm, just, I'm kind of racist on I that. I don't think that they're just all named after characters from Speed Racer. <laughs> that would be Chim Chim. Oh, He's sorry. Chimp Chimp. Chimp Chimp. He comes from space. So are you just saying that all the Yazirians just have monkey names? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pray for JoJo. His prices are way too low. Ah. <laughs> uh. Ah, uh, yes, Dr. Zaius will see you now. <laughs> His life enemy is germs. <laughs> Dr. And <Zayas>. bright eyes. <laughs> uh, so the, the Azerians are minus 10 to their strength and stamina. They yeah, are they're, they're little. They're not strong. Yeah. Uh, but they get a plus 5 each to their uh, dex and reaction speed, so they're quick, mm-hmm. and their intelligence and logic because they are smart. Yeah. So you wouldn't expect that from the description of them. They sound like they're, especially because their power is Berserker Rage. Yeah, they, I mean, it's again, it's, it's 5% chance yeah. that you, you least, go into it. At least nothing bad happens. The Battle Rage that they have is great. It's just, uh, hey, when these guys are Battle Raging, they get plus 20% on any roll to hit anything. Yeah, they're just plus 20 in combat. Yeah. Great. They don't They don't have to flip out and attack their friends or anything. Yeah. And it's, they don't even have a period where they're tired when they're done. No, and it's it's not like, oh, if you fail to go into Battle Rage or whatever. Yes. It's just, no, man, you've got a whatever percent chance to just be good in combat. Yeah, it's just a ro- it's a good roll. It's a roll that you want to make every combat and be like, let's see if I flip out this time. Yeah, it's, it's super good. They're actually trained to go into the Battle Rage. It's not like a no, Berserker thing. They're like, oh, no, we train I mean, to, to be, do this. To be fair, that training is real shitty. Yeah, well. They're like, man, we have been training you for years on this, and as soon as you're ready to get out there, it'll be because one in 20 times you can flip out the way we trained you. Well, you know, you're a level one character. Man, if a level one UPS delivery man only delivered one in 20 packages, we would not be cool with it. <laughs> yeah, but that's not like a super train hone your body thing to deliver a package. You don't you know. Don't, you're not sitting on top of a Tibetan mountain like trying to get to the point where you can deliver a package. <laughs> Brown is not waiting for enlightenment to deliver to you. You don't know. I'm pretty sure their headquarters is in Kunlun. <laughs> or according to the Iron Fist thing, Kunlun. Kunlun. Well, I just assume he pronounces it like a total tourist. Oh, he's a total doofus. Yeah, like, I like that trailer. That was a fine trailer. I'm really looking forward to the Iron Fist show. No, uh, Iron Fist looked good. It's just him pronouncing it Kunlun. Kunlun. There's, like, there's like apostrophes the, in there. The whitest white man ever. <laughs> I was like, a, well, I think that he could be whiter. He could have said, like, I don't know, China or something. <laughs> Where did you learn martial arts? Uh, Ching Chong? There were. <laughs> yeah, I learned it in uh, Ching Dang. It's up near Wangdong. You, you've uh, probably never heard uh, of it. I was at White Tiger Karate. It's down the street. <laughs> I learned eight ways like a leopard kung fu. <laughs> I learned it from a guy who has a ponytail 
and a really bushy mustache. Still wearing Zubas for some reason. <laughs> and well, boy, it's the Space Eighties, so <laughs> it's Space Eighties. So oh wait, yeah. well, we're still talking about Iron Fist. We're not talking about the game now. <laughs> Iron Fist now set in the Space Eighties. Iron Fist, Space Eighties. I would watch that in a heartbeat, especially <laughs> if Luke Cage was there in the Space Eighties. Uh, now, one of the the last things I'll mention about the stats here is you do have to roll down the line and you get your percentages that way, but you get a slight amount of leeway with your stats in that within a pair, if, say, I wanted to be stronger than I have, like, stamina, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, you can shift points between pairs up to 10 points. Yeah. So if I was 50-50 on strength stamina, I could go to, say, 60-40. So that's uh, that's kind of a neat trick. Yeah, so if you want to be like, uh, I want to have a higher intelligence than logic or whatever, you can do that. Yeah. I mean, it's not by a lot, but it, at least it gives you something. I didn't. Maybe you can explain this to me because I didn't catch the connection between your stats and your skills. Because skills appear to come with their own percentage, and then the bonus to those percentages is just the ranks and the skill that you have. I didn't see where it was like, add your strength score to this percentage. Oh, no. the Most of the other things are going to derive certain stuff. So, like, strength gives you bonus on melee hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, stamina is just going to derive what your hit points are. Yeah. The uh, dexterity and reaction speed. Reaction speed goes into initiative. Yeah. Uh, and initiative in this, just since we're on it, is interesting in that it's just two sides. You don't roll individually. You just go, whoever has the highest reaction speed on one side, uh, you roll a d10, add that, and then the other side rolls a d10, add theirs, and that's what your uh, your initiative is. And that's actually super common for old, old TSR stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah and it's The first it's, D&Ds did that, too. And so you get the, all right, well, whoever goes like last has to declare what they do first. Yeah. And it has a re, uh, reaction thing. So, like, they move first, then... Uh, the like side that one initiative gets to move and act and then they get to act yeah so the the side that moves though if you move within view of them you get to take like you can just decide i'm going to shoot at you while you're moving mm-hmm. so it's it's an interesting thing kind of plays that, like infinity the tabletop uh the, yeah. what do you call that the skirmish it, game it does yeah it's it's interesting in that way yeah so uh something i thought was interesting uh i i read through the basic just recently and uh, I, I found it amazing that it actually it, it plays a lot like the basic at least the the uh, the big book plays a lot like a role playing game. Basic is like a board game. Yeah, like you put enemies out on a grid on a big table and you run around near them and maybe you get in a car and then the car changes your movement capabilities on this big grid. There's rules for like if you step into this grid, it is because you have boarded the subway. You will go ten grid spaces north per turn, <laughs> but it will cost you five credit units. So I thought that was kind of fun and interesting about the basic set that you can, to play the basic game, you literally just lay out a big map and put bad guys on it and just go, go, have fun, everybody. Yeah, just just run around. Chase those bad goes. <laughs> yeah, so all of them give you, all the stats are just baseline something, like dexes to hit in uh, combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, intuition is sort of your perception stat. Yeah. Uh, logic is just being able to figure stuff out. So mm-hmm. like... If someone gives you a complicated puzzle, you can do that. Okay. Uh, and then, like, personality is just, uh, like, uh, NPC reaction. Because it, it's old TSR, so there's lots of... Uh, this like, guy, roll, 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 oh, hates yeah. you. There's lots of NPC charts, and also, because you have a leadership stat, there's also, like, did you hire a guy to be with you? Your leadership stat will determine, like, what kind of pay he'll accept and how... Loyal he is. I guess. I mean, have you ever felt like you just straight up rebel against your boss at work? Uh, I mean, obviously. I mean, but like enough to act on it. We're like, <laughs> you just go into work someday and your boss is like, all right, jo- John, go. Um, I- I'm going to make up a job for whatever it is you do. Go clean that poop. <laughs> go poop that clean. Go poop that clean area, John. Poop it up real good. And you'd be like, you know what? No, fuck you. And just walk out of there. That's just like, it, it's something you see like hirelings do in D&D all the time, where they're just like, fuck this, I quit. Oh, yeah, but then hirelings in D&D and stuff like this is like, all right, man, you're going to need to go into that bugbear cave. And that's a little different from, I need you to mop the floor. Well, I mean, there's a lot of poop on that floor, John. <laughs> there is. So, it's mostly poop now. Look, John, I need you to go mop that floor. It's mostly poop, and there's bugbears in there. <laughs> so... Look, the bu- the bugbears are pooping. It's your fault for taking a job in the bugbear part of town, John. Just g- get in there. 
<laughs> look, they poop look, where they walk. The, I don't. The bugbear part of town is all I can afford to live in. <laughs> it's really tough because your car keeps getting like looted. <laughs> Not stolen, just looted. Just looted. Just <laughs> go in there and loot. Just loot up that car real good. And you, if your car counts as a ten by ten foot square, then you got real problems because every time you get out there to drive it, there's just some orc guarding it. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, hey! This is my area. <laughs> uh. And then there's uh, the last race. We we had mentioned the uh, the, the earthworm guys, earthworm gyms, and the Sathar, the Sathar, and they have lamprey mouths and double pupil eyes and flap tentacle feet and cool little hands and otherwise they are earthworms. Yep, and their weird, interesting power because everyone gets one is hypnotism. They can hypnotize people and. They're super warlike is the big thing, and no one knows why because no one has been able to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. But most people, like, there's a, a thing in the book where they're like, oh, they assume it's because they had a warlike structure to their society, and if they stop being at war, then it'll kind of collapse. Yeah. So they just have to keep attacking people. Yeah, so they use their hypnotism power to hypnotize people they're fighting with. But also, when you get back to the monster manual part of the book, you realize that they use their <laughs> hypnotism power to... Uh, like breed crazy mutant races that they seed all over the other planets. Oh yeah, they've, they have war beasts. Well, they've they've genetically engineered things, and they also use their hypnotism to be like, uh, we're gonna put sleeper agents in places, so we'll hypnotize some dude and then have him go like turn the shields down on some place. They're interestingly one of those implacable bad guys. They're like tyranids in that even though they're smart, they're like tyranids in that you can't talk to them or anything. There's there's never one that's like, hey, I'm the one good one. I'm, yeah. the, I'm the drizzed of worms. No, it's it's like, yeah, they'll kill themselves before they even let you talk to them. If you were going to board their ship, they'll blow the ship up. Fuck you. Yeah, they, so they're they're an implacable super threat that, that no one... Like they, the only reason they even know that they could potentially speak English is because they've looked at their mouths. Yeah. And that's it. And they're like, well, they hit, they don't know they can hypnotize people, but you're also like... Man, if they can give people directions on what to do, you can assume yeah, that they, they can speak a language. They apparently, they apparently have some kind of hypnotized powers. So the uh, the next little bit get into is skills. And let me say, the skill test for me passes with flying colors. Yeah, there's not that many. And and of the ones that there are, they're broken down efficiently. They're things like you have one power, one skill, and then it comes with like five things you can do with it. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah. I, love this by the way yeah because it's all things like oh what did you have okay uh i've got like weapon skills as a skill Mm -hmm. and so if i've got a 20 percent in that then everything in weapon skills is at 20 percent so you know whether it's i've got like shooting guns or hitting a dude with a sword whatever it happens to be it's all under there but they split those up into like you can get some weapon skills you can get demolition you can get martial arts so you've got a few there but the nice thing is it makes it so that the non-combat skills are actually a decent choice yeah no they're really good like the medicine skill is impressive medicine skill comes with a variety of different types of skills that all have different percentages to success but but they're all reasonable and you can boost them with your ranks because every time you get a rank and a skill it gives you an extra 10 percent to your role so even if you're like, oh, I'm not that great at surgery because I have like a 30% chance to succeed, if you take it to rank five or six, you're like, oh, I have an 80% chance to do this. Yeah, and the uh, the cost to get ranks up, when you first make your character, you pick one of the things. It's either uh, military, technical, or psychosocial mm-hmm. are the three uh, categories. Yeah. You pick one that you're like, oh, this is the thing that I do. And then it's cheaper for you to raise your ranks in the skills in that category. Yeah. And they made it so that the combat ones are cheaper, sort of regardless. Yeah. So that if you pick a non-combat one, you aren't as penalized. Yeah, yeah, you're not as far behind. You can still make a a reasonable mercenary character and expect to be doing okay. Yeah, but I mean, even just like computer skill under the tech skill things... If you have computer skill as a skill, it includes eight different sub-skills. Yeah, no, it's really smartly done. And some of them are very... I thought at least one or two of them were funny. Like, for example, <laughs> uh, one of, like, there's one for uh, exploring and geology and biology yeah. where one of the skill, the sub-skills is naming. And it's <laughs> like, if you discover stuff, you get to name it. 
Great. You have a hundred percent chance to do this. Yeah, I love that it puts it at one hundred percent. They're like, whatever, we don't. Yeah, care. yeah. What are you gonna do? Fail at it? <laughs> I mean, this guy grumbly nump numps. Uh, oh no, you're not allowed to. That's illegal. I'm, I'm sorry. That's taken. Actually, <laughs> that's, that's the a- name of your Yazirian companion. <laughs> grumbly nump numps. <laughs> ah, grumbly nump numps doesn't like this. <laughs> Grumbly Num Num speaks like an old fashioned caveman, even though he's the smartest person in here. <laughs> See? <laughs> None of you are as smart as Grumbly Num Numps. Yeah, so it's, uh, I, I gotta say, skills, great. Everything is split up. So the, the sub skills all have varying percentages that you'll start at. So it might be like 100% on naming, but mm-hmm. like. Your geology might start at like 40% or 50%. Do uh, you think there's a chance that we're being overwhelmingly positive with this book because we're on the precipice of horror? Pro- possibly. Like we're but just, like, how could this book be bad when we <laughs> when we have already started when reading? When I can see Fatal looming on the horizon. The 13 pa- 1,300 pages of Fatal, which I've already started on, <laughs> is like, ugh, I don't, I can't. So this book can't be bad. It's impossible for it to be bad. Thing it's is, like, reading I both ha- of them is less than 60 pages. I haven't read at all any of the Fatal yet, and I'm still like, no, man, this is this is solidly put together. No, it's actually a really good game. I, I almost kind of wish that this is this had been the path that D&D went down. Right? This is so good. It's, it's very tight for most everything, <laughs> except when you get Vehic- to the vehicle section. Yeah, it's got... It's got old school vehicle rules in a game that probably didn't need them. Yeah, because like the combat section when you get to it is like, oh, here's the expanded combat section. Here's the more uh, in-depth rules for how you fight. And it's basically just the exact same thing that was in basic, but now you have more options. Yeah, yeah shoot a laser, dive for cover, that simple stuff. Yeah, it's but, a lot of like, oh, are you in hard cover? Minus 20 to be hit. Yeah. Is soft cover? Minus 10. Wee. Yeah, but then you get to vehicles, and vehicles is just... It's it you it uses a square grid mechanic and so it's got all these rules for like sw- side swiping, slipping, uh, and, it, and the, of course it's got all the acceleration rules, yeah. deceleration, the number of squares you have to turn based on the sp- you need in order to turn based on the current speed you are traveling, yeah, and the the maneuverability of your vehicle and the number the square where you will end up in during the turn and and of course you can then try and push your luck and do a tighter turn but then you have to make rolls and if you fail that there's an entire chart for what happens to your dumb vehicle? Uh, maybe, maybe it could just be that John and I universally don't care for vehicle rules in games, and so that's coloring it. Because I don't know if I've ever read. I mean, the Feng Shui two ones were good, uh, and I can't think of any others. No, anytime vehicle rules become a thing, that's like, let me give you these detailed, granular things on how you move in like vehicle combat. I go, this should be its own thing. Yeah, this should be like like Car Wars. I'm like, if you're going to do that, if you're going to go that in-depth on how cars move and fight and do that, let that be your game, because most of the time in this, I have to imagine you're not going to be doing, like, car-to-car combat. Yeah, that's the thing. And even if you are, not everyone in your party is. That's what kills Shadowrun half the time, is you have that one guy in the party who's like, I'm a rigger, my whole thing is that I have a nice car, I drive my cool car. What does everyone else do? I guess they could shoot out the windows if they want. Some of them, because it's not a very big car. Yeah, and um, it's like, oh, we're going on a we're going on a shadow run. Uh, you could drive us there, and then I guess stay in the car and keep it warm. We'll we'll uh, go do cool stuff. You can tell they've tried to fix that over the years, because nowadays your shadow runner rigger comes out with like drones and stuff. Yeah, it's like I'll drive these little drones around. That's how I'm going to help. <laughs> I'm helping. <laughs> I'm helping with this drone. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's a game where you have a dedicated combat driving job. There are other games where it's like. I, I, take Rifts, for example. I would I would venture a guess that there are probably 30 Rifts OCCs that end with the word pilot. Also, there's a juicer that's just for piloting. Yeah, no, like I was saying, there's combat pilot, robot pilot, uh, Sam-ass pilot, super Sam-ass pilot, Japanese Sam-ass pilot, space glitter boy, regular glitter boy, glitter boy pilot, glitter girl. There's so many OCCs for humans that are just, you can drive this robot. And and does the combat system for uh, for high-speed combat work all that great in Rifts? Well, I mean, no, nothing works all that great in Rift. <laughs> Whatever. It's, but um, I mean, I, I, I mean, the, but the problem is, it, it's never all that compelling. The best possible thing you can do for uh, for vehicle combat when you're talking about playing is just characters. Like, oh, I'm a Yazirian. I'm I'm a happy. Yuz- I, I can't wait to shoot dudes with my wing arms. Like, is okay. You guys are on some flying vehicles, and you're having a cool combat with that as the background. Yeah, and I mean, most of the time, like even in Rifts. There's not really complicated rules for being in a vehicle. It's just, 
Can you pilot this thing? Congratulations. Roll you percentile. Do. Let's see if you crash or not. Yeah, there's not like a lot of complicated, like this is how you can turn, this is how you accelerate and decelerate. It's just kind of like, look, man, if you're fighting, you're probably not zipping around all that much because like, if you're in a sky cycle, you're going like 120 miles an hour, which means you'll shoot once and then be way the fuck away from combat. Pretty much. But anyway, it's just, it's a little, I mean, it's not like it's hugely disappointing because these are real early combat vehicle rules. It's just, uh, they, and it's, they, it's very easily ignored in the game. That's as well. the thing. They're not married especially well, but on the other hand, because they're not married especially well to the core mechanics, it's very easy to skip them. Yeah. You look at it and you're like, man, I'm just glazing over with this car combat thing. That's yeah, been, fuck a, it. that's been my whole life. Like back when I was like 12, when I bought the first edition D and D monster manual, or no, sorry, uh, uh, DMG in a used bookstore and was like, Oh, I'm going to read this. Cause I want to learn all about this. And I got to like. If your dragon has class D maneuverability, then it can use one hex of changing direction every two rounds of combat for turning while flying in the air. And I was like, who is, who is doing this? Yeah, no, that's it is the most boring shit ever. And I, I mean, it may just be me. I know if I say no one has done whatever, people no, will be like, yeah. oh, we've always done it by that. No, and, and power to them. I mean, I've, I've never seen a game with all that stuff actually happening in no. it. But when you... The closer, the the more descriptive your car combat rules are, the more it sounds like it's actually a tabletop war game and not an actual. Uh, I mean, nothing wrong with that, but it, it just feels more like you're playing some other game entirely. Yeah, like you're playing one of them Star Wars tabletop model games that are popular. They're all the rage with kids these all days. All the rage. Where you're like, would you like this tiny quarter sized X wing? That'll be forty five goddamn dollars because <laughs> this is Star Wars and we can do that. Uh, that game's ridiculous. Yep. It occupies like a third of every game store, and it's every time I pick up one of those models, I'm like, "Ooh, the out the Outrider! I'm a big enough dork to know what this is." Let's, oh, sixty dollars? No, no. It, it, how's and, how's Bosk doing? Yeah, and 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 you say, "Oh, Bosk," as if he wasn't the driver of the Hound Tooth One or something. <laughs> um, no, the uh, every time I pick those up, I'm like, "Ooh, look at this! It's got there's a little pic, a little airplane in in plastic. Then there's a whole box section over here. That must be where they keep the random little jets that you don't get to know about." No, there's nothing over there. No, there's cards. There's cards. There's cards in a stand for the little spaceship to go on. Maybe maybe some of their proprietary dice, possibly. Yeah. Probably not, though. Yeah. I, 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 every time I see those, I'm like, man, I wish those worked the way, like, you know, uh, whiz kids, like, what are the clicks? The hero clicks. Yeah, the clicks, hero clicks. Where you're like, I don't know what's in here. I'll get a random assortment of star jets. I'll just get some random amount of garbage. Yeah. Oh, what do you know? It doesn't work that way. Anyway, moving on. So the other thing in this book that it comes with, it does have a little monster manual in the expanded rules. Yeah, almost all set in the adventure that the book came, the game came with. And it comes with a just a quick, like, here's how to make your own monster. Yeah, I thought that was kind of fun. It has a little build-your-own-monster that, that works based on biology. It's like, hey, if you're going to put random amounts of legs on that monster, ask yourself why. Yeah, it was like, look, figure out, is it small to huge? Is it a carnivore or is it an omnivore? Like, figure out what your thing does. If it's a carnivore, it probably has some big teeth. Put some big teeth on that thing. Yeah, maybe it just eats by melting you real good. If it's an herbivore, it probably has more defense or some weird ways to stop people from killing it. Yeah, it's got those prey animal eyes or something. Yeah, or, you know, if it's an omnivore, it's probably slightly smarter. Yeah, because omnivores often are slightly smarter. Yeah. Except for John. Yeah. I'm not slightly smarter. I'm way smarter. And human adjacent. Get oh, shit. <laughs> I left open an opening for you to get out of my deadly insult. <laughs> Your deadly insults. <laughs> my nefarious deadly insults, Batman. <laughs> Batman, are you balding? <laughs> uh, Man, that makes me want to see a Batman villain entirely based around, like, negging. <laughs> I mean, you can't call him the negger, and I think I think we both know <laughs> I that. I think we all know why. Yeah, I think can't, that, that's not an okay name. So he'd probably have to be called, like, the, what, the... What's the, that MRA or whatever? The, the pickup artist? Pickup artist. So the Pua. The Pua. Batman's new villain, the Puma. We'll just put the M in there. <laughs> the Pua. The, the Pua. And all he does. And he's is, like, Puma? No, Pua. 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 Puma? Pua. I, I understand why you don't get it, Batman, but, you know, maybe with a little more schooling, you'd be able to learn that. I mean, it's cute that you're trying, though. <laughs> it's good. I like that you're trying. <laughs> oh, shit. He's got Robin with him. Robin's only a six. I'm not ready to engage that two set. Ugh. <laughs> 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 Oh, man, the pickup artist is the most horrible Batman villain ever. <laughs> it is the worst. 
Oh, nice punch, Batman. Did you learn that from a girl? I, I did, actually. I learned it from Lady Shiva. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes sense. Uh, it, I mean, it should. She's amazing. Uh-huh. Okay, that's great. Hey, uh, but but is she hot, though? I mean, yeah. All right, well. Also, it is, it is comic books. Of course she is. <laughs> well, look, I, what I'm going to need to do now is demonstrate value by robbing this bank. <laughs> I'm peacocking by showing all these jewels I've robbed. <laughs> he's just wearing a peacock costume. I'm the Pua. I'm the peacock. <laughs> no, he's still the Pua, and Batman keeps calling him the Puma, even though he's dressed like a peacock. Oh, no. It, it all makes perfect sense. You got you to gotta have a whole bunch of different ones <laughs> so in the gonna, group. Oh, so it's a team now? Yeah, so you so have, have the, the pickup peacock, artists. the pickup artist, and he's super strong because he's the pickup okay, artist. Oh, I see. So we have the peacock, the Pua, the... <laughs> <laughs> the we still I, I'm still flat I'm still putting my foot down. <laughs> we cannot have the negger. That is not okay. The negativist. There, there you go. The negativist. <laughs> the ratesman. And uh, his whole thing is just being able to rate the value of women based on his initial glances at them. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a horrible team. <laughs> what have we done? This is bad. No one draw that. <laughs> Nobody do this. <laughs> Uh. Attention all listeners who are Batman comic creators. <laughs> Attention all the Batman comic creators. Bert Kusiak, are you listening? Don't or, no, Kurt Stop Kusiak. It. Kurt Busiak, not Bert Kusiak. Boot, boot Kusiak. <laughs> Bert Kusiak, eat now. <laughs> uh. Kurt Busiak, don't do that. And also, I don't know if you do Batman or not. All uh. right. So, John... Do you have anything else you wanted to get into about this game? Uh, I think the only thing to mention that's even remotely noteworthy is the armor in this. Oh, it's Pokemon style. Yeah, because you, you pick like, oh, I'm going to get an anti-Sonic one because Sonic weapons do a lot of damage, but then it doesn't really do much for you for any of the other types. Yeah, so there you can wear an armor and a force field, and each one comes in three kinds. Anti-Sonic, anti-energy, and anti-kinetic. Yeah, uh, and you can only since you can have a force field and an armor, you can either double up your protection against one type of thing or take split it between two of the three types of thing. But you're always going to have at least one weakness to one of the various types of shooting. Yes. So that's it. Like I say, it, it's basically Pokemon where you pick and try and manage your weaknesses based on what you're going into. Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. It's not terrible. It makes yeah. it makes fine sense. It, it it stops players from building indestructible tanks, I guess. But it also means players have a reason to carry around something aside from just. The highest damage thing, like, oh, this Sonic thing is the highest damage. I'll do that. Yeah. Like, oh, but that guy has doubled up Sonic defenses, which means it does nothing. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. It also means you you should have someone on your party with, like, a backpack full of uh, belt clips of various types of force fields so you can kind of manage your problems. Yeah, it makes the tech guy useful. Yeah, the tech guy's already useful because the robotics in this game are great. Oh, yeah, there's all all these rules for doing stuff with robots and reprogramming robots. If you find bad guy robots, you can beat them up and reprogram into good guy robots. Yeah, it's great. Determined based on, like, what level of robot they are. Like, Like how complex is the AI of this robot? Yeah, where one is, like, you know, a, a power drill and six is a C-3PO? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you want that? You want to hit that mid-range. Like, the four or five is where you're going to hit the cool robots that have, like, guns and lasers and stuff. If you go all the way up to six, they're just like, oh, oh, oh my, oh, 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 no, no, please, master. <laughs> danger! <laughs> danger, Will Robinson, danger! <laughs> master, I'm late for spin class. <laughs> Why is 3PO going to spin class? Because I have to work off all that paella I should not have eaten. Paella. Great. <laughs> Uh, I'll walk the corgi. <laughs> Is that a euphemism? No, no, but no. Uh, my, in, in my world, C three PO makes and eats paella, has a corgi, and is late for spin class. <laughs> great. That's a great universe. I want to live in it. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. So, all right. You want to get into your favorites and least favorites? Let's do it. Okay, let's get into it. John, what would you say is your favorite thing about Starf Frontier? Uh, well, the Star Front ears. Uh, I'm gonna I'm go all ahead Star Front ears. I want to say, as I mentioned when we were doing it, the skills, absolutely love it. It's a good incentive to not be combat, but doesn't penalize you if you are. Uh, It's got a good system of making it so that if you go into tech or social science or whatever you happen to do, Mm -hmm. you get a lot out of it. Yeah, no, the skills are rewarding. 
they start at really, really low percentages for a lot of the more complicated skills, and and super low percentages can be frustrating to players. This book's got a lot of that minor problem where it's like, uh, all right, so Jim Joms is shooting it at Yabzarg, and he's got a 14% chance to hit because he's bad at shooting and there's a low cover chance. He rolls a 7 and hits. Hooray! <laughs> it's, it's never like, he doesn't hit because of course he doesn't because his chance to hit is stupid. So yeah, it's well, got, but that's a, that's an old fashioned problem. You've seen a lot of these. I mean, a lot of them start at a decent level. Most of them are going to be about forty or fifty percent, right? Which is good. It's all right, uh, and mostly because you're going to be going up to at least like a plus sixty percent. Yeah. So at that point, you're looking at most of your stuff being at a hundred percent or more. Yeah. Unless it's one of the super complicated things that starts lower. Yeah. But the the interesting thing is buying up is fairly easy getting your first levels and things aren't very expensive and the like the percentage based things your stats and your powers so like your detect lies for the dryocytes and whatnot yeah is a straight up one to one for your xp so it's like i spend one xp i get an extra percent and you usually get the book says probably around seven xp per session yeah so every session you can get seven percent better at that or just your stat goes up by seven. Yeah, so it's it's a fairly interestingly designed XP system that's that's not unreasonably punishing like you see in a lot of older games. Yeah, there's can, there's can, no like you have a chance to not get something. It takes eight weeks of training, and after the eight weeks, you roll to see if you learned the thing. Oh yeah, even in the book, it's like, look, you you probably want to have training times, and it goes on for like if you're trained by a teacher or if you're trained by a professional or whatever, and then it right after that it goes. Or maybe you don't care about training times. You just get it. Do that if you want to. If your character was trained by a Jedi Master, you get five extra percent. If he was trained by the ghost of a robot... <laughs> oh, ghost robot. I am a ghost. That is also a robot. <laughs> I understand the pain. No, I... I uh, all right, so so there you go. So, your, yeah, your favorite the, thing is the skill system. Skills, really elegant, well done, love it. What was yours? Uh, I'm going to say my favorite thing in this is the races. Uh, I, I love that, like I've said before, I'm a huge fan of, of aliens in general as a concept and, and, and uh, diverse arrays of ways to play things. One of the things that always drives me nuts about D&D, for example, is that all the other races could be easily mistaken for humans. Yeah. Like, oh, skinny human, with weird ears. Oh, short squat human. This is like, no, there's no mistaking a Dralocyte for a human. A Dralocyte is a big amoeba. Yeah, and you're, you're never going to be like, oh, can I be a, a half Vrusk? No. No, no. No one can be a half rusk because you'd never figure out how to do it. If if you were a half rusk, it's because you're Jeff Goldblum and you're holding a shotgun to your head and asking someone to murder you. Yeah, barfing up white oatmeal all over everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So So yeah, I love it when races are that you can play as are charmingly like non-anthropomorphic, uh, but still manage to work into a society. That's that's sort of a neat thing. So this this game has really well designed races that still fit as part of a little group of Oh, the intelligent races of the galaxy, but aren't they aren't just all I'm a human who's blue and has a spike. <laughs> you don't have any of that. There's the races are all fascinating. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna give it to that. I like the way they're written. I like the way that they dodge convention. Like for example, the uh, the Vrusk are big ants, and yet they are really good at figuring out how society works. Uh, they they don't have what you'd expect big ants to have as power set. They're not, oh, we have a hive mind or anything like that. They're like, no, they're aliens. They they think and act like aliens. Yeah. So, I like it. I like him a lot. So I'm going to say the races are my favorite thing about this game. What would you say is your least favorite thing? Uh, I I mean, I've, again, it was very obvious in the review. I'm going to say the vehicle rules. It's unnecessary, feels weird in the book, because as you're reading it, everything's very simple. Uh, you've got just very basic rules for most things. It is a game you could jump into very easily. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you get to the vehicle rules... It's like, oh, and now here's just a bunch of weird stuff you have to calculate. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Why would you do that? It's funny because I'm going to say my least favorite thing is is similar, but not for the same reasons. There's rules for ownership of a lot of different vehicles in this game and like how long it takes to get from place to place by those vehicles. Like, oh, if you if you use this train, you'll get from this one city to this other city in three days. And there's there's a whole page of like travel times and travel speeds and stuff and, and the rules for being an owner of a vehicle. And then it ends before spaceships. Yeah. Like, you can't, I guess, in this universe, you can't be a dashing spaceship captain. Well, I mean, it has rules for space movement. 
yeah, and stuff so, like that. Yeah, but that's mostly because like you're the only rules they have for spaceships in this game are if you're a passenger on a space liner, you can go at first class or shipping, or you could just mail yourself there in a box. <laughs> but there's no like a rad space fighter will shoot five space lasers at, the, at an enemy space air tank. There's, for some reason, it seems to end right at where it would get interesting and, and really play with that whole, well, this is a galaxy where people fly around. Oh, no, my tank of space air. We're Don't s- shoot it. <laughs> It'll blow up into ice. <laughs> I, I, I'm i just surprised that it doesn't have like an X-Wing equivalent or something. And I would, oh, yeah. be, I would be willing to bet that it's in some supplement. Oh, I'm sure that this came out with several random things. And they were like, here's the full space one. Did you want to be a guy in a spaceship? Go do that. Yeah, because that's, that's really missing. If you're playing as a team of dudes who hop from planet to planet and do mercenary work, the, the ultimate goal should be that you ab- you're able to get your own serenity. Yeah, you'd think that. So, who knows? Anyway, uh, so there you go. That's my least favorite thing. John, would you play Star Frontiers? Oddly enough, yes. This is th- I mean, this is one of the first games, I think, in a while where I've been... Like enthusiastically positive? Yeah, you're bullish. I'm so su- I'm surprised to see that. You, you, I mean, it's not a terrible game, so I'm not too surprised. But normally, you're kind of like, man. Even even if yeah, you like even the game. when I say I would play it, I'm always like, eh. And here's a qualifier to that. Yeah. Whereas this, I'm like, nah, man. Sure, go for it. This seems like a fun, goofy time. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting to me because the the way that this book is put together feels a lot better than I normally encounter for the early 80s. Oh, especially for the early 80s. This is this is a gem for the early 80s. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm positive on this game yeah. just on its own merits, but I'm extra positive because of the time it came out and how good it is. Yeah, I mean, there's weaknesses. There are definite weaknesses because of the the time period in which it came out. You have a lot of stuff that's Things that are only from the from that time period of game design. Things that are complicated for no reason or mean to the, the players. The random for, stats. Yeah. I mean, there's a you, couple. You can get around it, but still, just random rolling for your stats doesn't really make it so that you can play whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not the end of the world. There's things like, oh, you have to choose which hand your character uses and stuff. Yeah. Which is like, who cares? Of course you do. Uh, but uh, but those are just you know handovers to the old old uh, era of game design. This game is surprising to find out something like this came out in '82. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to also go very positive on this and say, hell yeah, I'd play this. This this seems like fun. It, it it has a real sense of lightness and fun, which was which was rare to find this early on. Yeah, it definitely feels very like early Star Wars. The like, yeah, let's go out and have fun space adventures with aliens. Yeah. Also, I want to say I love that the covers of these both of the books that came in here, like the advanced and basic rules, are the same three people. In just di- done by two different artists. Yep. So it's like this: it's a Yazirian and a hu- two humans, uh, and they're all wearing huge bubbly space visors. Yeah, and they they're just running around looking as '80s space as possible. Oh heck, yes, they are. They look like uh, early '80s, like Jim Aparo style comic book characters. Uh, they all have like tiny little space lasers shooting shooting solid beams of goop. And of course, the woman's got even though she's out on a space adventure, she has like Farrah Fawcett ultra feathered hair. Yep. So that's just, I love that art. I love that early 80s means that uh, space adventures have to wear wraparounds. Yep. So, all right. So there you go. We'd both play Star Frontiers. Surprise, surprise. Uh, this this old-ass game, uh, Star Frontiers Alpha Dawn, the, the original box set, is a solid, surprising gem of a box, and you should seek it out and give it a try. Yeah, I I. I'm very positive on this. It's super cool. Now, if you're getting real sick of us being positive, don't you fret, because <laughs> congratulations, listeners, you have exceeded the $500, oh, man, $500 Patreon mark, at which we have to go watch, or sorry, go read, Fatal. I hate you. Fantasy into... Not not the listener. Me. You, Jeff. Because I did this without telling John. You you just put it on there. You're like, oh, I made a new thing. I'm like, why would you do that? I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry that we now make $519 every two weeks. Yeah. I, I apologize. It's not because of Fatal, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I think a lot of that was people pushing us to Fatal. Uh, I think it was a lot of people trying to push us away from Fatal. <laughs> why would they give us money to push us away from Fatal? No, they you, took money away. What are we going to do? You want to not review it for another two weeks and set the goal of if you get to 600 we won't <laughs> yeah that's what we're <laughs> that gonna would, do that would piss off a lot of the other people <laughs> i apologize for the success of our game or our, our show um but anyway now we have to read fatal because you guys said uh, said so so 
But I, I want the folks who are worried about it because they're thinking that it's going to be boring or that Fatal's been covered a lot of times. Don't worry. We're gonna we're not going to do it forever. I know it's a huge book, but we're not going to make twelve episodes out of it. No, um, we'll we'll basically do one before we are dry heaving too diff too much to keep going. Yeah, I think we'll just hit the high notes and. That'll be the end of that. So, so look forward to the uh, the fatal review. I think it'll be a good time. I mean, shit, we've reviewed basic Dungeons and Dragons. If if the world hadn't covered that extensively, we still managed to wring something out of it. So, so have a little faith. We'll be okay. We're gonna make that fatal happen. After that, who knows? That Patreon needs new goals, and I want to hear from you, the listener, what you want from us. What do you want? What do you want us to do? What do you want from me? What do you want? Do you want the Star Wars book thing? You want the moon? You I'll want, give you the moon. You want some like group, tw- uh, wait, what do you call them, Twitch hangouts? Some, some group sex? What do, you, what do you say? What's a hangout? What's the thing where we do? Google what, hangout? Google hangouts. You want the cool, you hang out with us, like the cool guys, and chat with us about the games you like? Uh, you want us to go on chat roulette? That's, oh man, you want us to go on chat roulette? We'll you, do it. You want us to man, be on Omegle? I'll go through a swimming, swimming through a sea of dicks for you people. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my pleasure and goal uh, if, if that's what you want it to be. So let us know what you think our next Patreon goal should be. Uh, we'll collect a bunch of suggestions, make a poll out of it, and actually make it happen. Uh, otherwise, thanks so much for listening. You can support that Patreon at patreon.com slash systemmastery. At any level that you support that Patreon, we will review Fatal. Also, <laughs> we'll, we'll, um, we'll make, you'll get access to our bonus content where we actually make characters in the games, which means in just a few minutes we're going to start making some Star Frontiers characters. Uh, otherwise, you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com or System Mastery on Facebook, Gmail, Twitter, or Reddit. You can contact us through any of those channels. We're friendly. We're happy to talk to you about whatever. Feel free to reach out. Send us your questions for afterthoughts. Suggest games. Uh, whatever you want to do. Thank you so much for listening. John, you got anything else? Nope. Then have a good week. <laughs>